how much will it hinder things? It, well, I think it works at various levels. In practical terms, they should have their sort of you know, people who are working uh, for them. They should have their plans. They should be executing those plans. And the permanent secretary won't personally be doing that hands-on work. That should be being done by other people. Uh, so I think that various things, though, that permanent secretaries can do. Clearly, if there are some big calls about redeployment of people and things like that, you need a permanent secretary available to make that decision. Sometimes it's only really the permanent secretary that can have uh, a necessary conversation with the most senior minister. Um, that might be okay for the directors general. That's the next level down from, uh, from permanent secretary. And I think at uh, very least the Ministry of Defence and I think the Home Office as well have people called second permanent secretaries mm. who are very obviously the permanent secretary's deputies who could also do that too. But sometimes you do need the authority of the, perm uh, the permanent secretary to say to the minister, no, I think you really need to do this. Um, you really need to make this call, however unwelcome you are. And that can be particularly important if the uh, secretary of state is someone who's relatively difficult to deal with. And I think some of the efforts we're coming out have coming out is Dominic Robb may not be the easiest Secretary of State for officials to deal with. You know, if he's private, if he won't listen to his private office and things like that, you need that. Um, but I think the other thing is just, you know, if this is a big crisis, it sends a signal. Is the permanent secretary there on board and actually, you know, um, cancelling their holiday to deal with it. Mm. And many of perhaps a slightly older generation of civil servants would probably, you know, be very unwilling to be prized from their desks during a crisis because yeah. they would have thought that this is the moment that they need to be showing very hands-on leadership to signal to the department that this is a really important thing, even if they're not actually doing much of the day-to-day -day stuff. And even if perhaps some of the people who are being left to get on with it would rather they weren't there and continually asking if everything was going well, did they have the resources they need, were they clear mm. what they were supposed to be doing? So, Jill, it sounds like you're saying that actually what these departments uh, need to do in this crisis, the Foreign Office, the Home Office, the MOD, would actually be hindered by having all their permanent secretaries off. I'm not sure it'd be... It'd be hindered. I mean, they clearly can do things, but I think it's a rather odd judgment call by permanent sections in critical departments not to be very readily on hand. Of course, we don't know. These are departments which over the last you know, 21 months or so have got increasingly used to people working remotely. Mm. We now have technology, which means that physically being in the office in many ways is less important than being extremely readily available. I mean, that, none of this would have been true perhaps two years ago when uh, being out of the office was much more of a thing. So what we don't know is whether you know they are as available uh, where they are on holiday as they would be. We don't know whether they're actually holidaying as opposed to being sort of out of the office. Uh, are they on the phone the whole time? What we do know is that you can't really convene people in quite the same way or do the morale, morale mm. boosting, dropping down and that sort of thing. But equally, it's not clear that those are necessarily being run out of their headquarters anyway. Mm. Um, so I think you need to know the sort of detail of those plans and actually what was happening to be able to say something. But I do think 
the question is, if there's a real crisis, do you want the signal that the most senior people in charge are there? But I remember, for example, I was at DEFRA in the uh, late 2000s, and we had a very, very minor foot and mouth outbreak uh, at a lab in uh, Surrey, I think it was. And Gordon Brown, who's prime minister, had gone on holiday the day before, did one sort of photo shoot looking rather uncomfortable on a beach in a suit, which suggested he didn't really want to be on holiday. And then we had this very minor thing happen. We thought at DEFRA we had it fully under control, only to be told that the Prime Minister had come back from his holiday. Uh, many people, I think, thought this was the Prime Minister looking for any excuse to get off the beach in his suit uh, to take control of the situation and show he was in charge. And frankly, I think most people thought that was a bit unhelpful rather than uh, absolutely helpful because you then have to feed the beast of uh, of the number 10 machine as well as getting things uh, happening locally. So it's not always an unalloyed good thing to have the senior people there. But um, what you would be saying is, you know, are these people really available? Is it actually getting in the way of anything? If it is... Maybe if they'd gone and actually they would have to take a prolonged flight, which would mean they were genuinely unavailable for a long time, that actually might be a less good thing than actually having them available at the other end of a phone line. or. But, a, but Jill, I, w- I wonder what you think this does downstream, though, because when when all, all of this started off with with Dominic Raab be, uh, being on holiday, there, there was lots of um, briefings to the papers saying that he had, he had lost a sense of authority with people in the Foreign Office. Do you think if you are a, a Foreign Office civil servant or a MOD civil servant working your backside off uh, in this crisis when these stories hit the papers about your most senior boss actually being off and not returning even when things were clearly going badly does that undermine what you're doing does that undermine morale it it could do i mean i think it risks undermining morale um i think it, you know you could say it's it's not a good look Conversely, you don't know what's going on. You don't know what arrangements are going on in place. Mm. If they've got some sort of you know person who actually clearly is clearly in charge, clearly empowered to make all the decisions, you, know, you could imagine that people actually might be rather annoyed if there's you know, if mm. there's a top person deemed those arrangements, those other people to be incapable of doing the job without them uh, being sort of marked on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But I think you do need to think actually what signal am I sending through the organization if I prioritize my holiday over the crisis and I'm asking them to work exceptional hours and things like that and sort of you know one of the sort of mantras used to have was actually if you're in the leadership there I mean this may just be very old-fashioned nowadays Mm. and today's civil service which prioritizes sort of you know thinks more about well-being and the need for breaks and things like that and those are all important that people get get breaks because they have a long winter as well. Yeah, uh, had a difficult year, but you do want to say actually, I need to show I'm willing to put in, you know, put in the effort that I'm expecting mm. my staff to put in. And I think that applies yeah. to ministers. Though that one of the things to say is that you know the foreign secretary is a sort of big authority figure, and there are some things that only really the foreign secretary can do. Uh, I think within the civil service, people you know, don't have that sort of high personal profile in quite the same way. It's much more a sort of inside the organisation question. 